In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise for this precious moment that you have given to us to study your word and to teach us. Lord, we ask, we ask, O oh God, that you open our eyes, that you bless us with understanding. Oh, bless us with understanding. Grant unto us your utterances tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Wow. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Oh, we thank you. Oh, you are faithful, God. We thank you. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name, we are prayed. Amen. Um, tonight is going to be a powerful night. Um, I want um, I want us to trust the Lord with me that um, God will do a definite work in our hearts tonight. And so I want your hearts to be opened. I want you to be sensitive. Don't be casual. Pay attention. Um, I want to say this to us. Before I begin to teach tonight, uh, um, you have to learn to have a heart for ministry. Are you get what I'm saying? You, you have to learn to have a heart for ministry. And like I, I've always said a couple of times, that you are a Christian, not just to, to you know, to just be seeking God bless me, God bless me, and all of that. The Bible says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you with me? So we are blessed people already. The core, the essence of you being born again and you being grafted into the fold is so that through you Christ can be revealed to other people. And we are not too young. To have the art for the work of the ministry. When I mean ministry, I'm not saying starting a church or starting a ministry like the ensign. Of course, if the Lord asks you to do it, why not? We need many more ministries that are sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Right? But like I always tell people, you, you don't just wake up one morning and say you want to do ministry. I mean, in quotes. When I mean ministry, I mean it in terms of you know, starting a church you know, and all of those things. But primarily, every believer is supposed to do the work of the ministry. And that would mean that we are all supposed to be preaching the gospel. We are all supposed to be teaching the gospel. We are all supposed to be discipling. The essence of you being discipled is so that you can disciple others. You need to get that. You need to get that. I, I saw a video today. You know, the preacher was saying, that, and, and I really agree with what he said. You know, I just went on Instagram briefly and I just saw the video and that was all I needed for Instagram today all right and and the preacher was talking about the fact that what there's nothing about life you know there's nothing so you know so spectacular about life you just you know you go to school you graduate you get a job you you, you marry and all of those things i mean if that is all your life is all about it's it's a failed life already and the preacher says something very profound he said, what we count in eternity is souls. Are you getting what I'm saying? What we count in eternity is souls. What we count in eternity is the people that you have touched with the gospel. And so when you hear Paul tell the church, I think the 
church in Thessalonians and say, you guys are our joy. You are my crown. What other joy do we have if Christ comes, if not you? So when I saw that scripture, I, I discovered that actually your crown as a believer is a man. You get what I'm saying? Your crown as a believer is what? A man. Your, your crown as a believer are men. Men that you have touched with the gospel. Men that you have touched with the power of God. With the gospel of salvation. And you're not too young to do the work of the ministry. You know, I'm friends, I'm friends with a particular boy. When I mean friend, I, I mean it with every sense of um, joy in my heart. This boy is a very small boy, but he's my friend. If, if he's going to be old, probably it's about 10 or 11 years. Um, and so the boy messaged me just some minutes before this meeting started. He messaged me and said, um, he said, Bro, Folusha, I want to see you. And I said, oh, I'm not, I'm not available at the moment. You know, he messaged me through his mom's WhatsApp. And he said, okay, please, I want you to come to my school. We have this fellowship that we run. I want you to come and preach, you know, and I want us to pray about it. I thought he was joking the first time he told, he told me that about um, last week or I think two weeks ago. And he was telling me about the fellowship is um, organizing a school and all of that. And then he just told me that he was going to want me to come. But I just didn't take it that serious. And then when he messaged me today, you know, he actually did a voice call on WhatsApp. And I wasn't online. So when I came online, I saw his call and I messaged him. And he said, please, I want you to come to my school. When will you be free? I want you to come, you know. I want us to pray about it. And I'm going to honor him. God sees my heart. I'm going to honor that invitation. I'm going to go to his fellowship, God willing. I'm going to push the gospel and teach his friends the gospel. You know why? Because that boy at that young age has been able to catch the essence of life. You get what I'm saying? He has been able to catch the essence of life. And, 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 and that's, all that, that's all that really matters basically so we just have to probably just have to keep trusting God to help our hearts to to recognize the essence the essence of life basically we have to allow God to help us understand the essence of life because some of us are not really catching the essence of life and I'm saying this with, with every concern in my heart now we need to learn to see things the way God sees them. God, God, you know, you know, the value of your life is, you know, I think this is a concern that song. So the, the, the impact of my life is how much of you people see. You get what I'm saying? And, and that's very important for us to understand that that's the essence of life. Your, your essence, your impact is not in the money in your account. If there's money in your account, it is for this singular purpose. And you've heard me share this a lot of times, that your destiny as a believer is not to be a doctor, is not to be a lawyer. I've said it before, whatever your hand finds to do, do it well. That's what the Bible says. If you find yourself being a carpenter, do it well. You can be productive and make some money there. If your hand finds you, you know, your hand finds being a, a medical doctor, do it well. But it is, and when I mean your destiny is not to be a doctor, I'm not saying God can lead you to a career path. Of course, God can lead us you know, to a career path, and He has done that to many people, and He's still doing that to everybody that consults Him for direction. Alright? But you see, your destiny as a believer is to reveal God. 
your destiny as a believer is the ministry of reconciliation that through you and through the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel from your lips men are knowing God men are edified men are grounded men are established are you getting what I'm saying friends so this is very important and so the whole reason why we we are doing Bible study is not because anybody wants to show that he has knowledge you know and I'm, not, I'm going to say this with all sense of, uh, of, of seriousness I don't even think I know so much actually I don't know so much because there are depths in God sometimes I cry to God and say Abba this one you have revealed to me is too small compared to the depths of you and so you know one of my heart cries that God will reveal himself more to me right you get what I'm saying so it's not that we just want to show that we know the Bible that's not that's not the point so when we have Bible study when we have monthly meetings you know it's so that you can be established and be edified strengthened so that you can also establish others and that's the purpose of your life you, you don't forget that I know there are many things that happens to us on a daily basis that makes us forget but this is the essence of life that you are able to reveal God and the Lord will bless our hearts in Jesus name so I said all of that to help your heart to focus on what we are doing tonight and what we will be doing for the rest of our lives you know via this platform you know I, 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 I don't have capacity to judge other people's ministry that's not my calling but I can judge my own ministry and one of the ways I judge my own ministry is that I want to find out how many people who listen to me are actually conforming to the image of Christ and are actually taking the mandate of the kingdom seriously so I will I, I will um, I will judge myself as doing well if I find out that the people who listen to me people who you know who, who come you know, to this platform and learn I see that they are conforming to the image of Christ on a daily basis alright and not just that they are also taking the work of the ministry seriously then I know I'm doing well you get what I'm saying that's, that's just what I think and that's my own persuasion and one guy came to me one time and said and called me his pastor I told him I'm not your pastor I'm not I'm not your pastor because this place I'm talking about is never available to be taught alright you get what I'm saying? So I told him, I'm not your pastor. Go and look for your pastor as well. I am not your pastor. Many of us like that type of pastor. No. And, and that's a story for another day. <laughs> Alright, so please, we are doing this intentionally and God is helping us. So like I said, share the link with your friends as we start tonight. So we have been doing a study on the book of Romans. We started last week. Um, from have many of us who did not join. And for some of us that joined, but man, I've forgotten some of the things we talked about. I'm going to do a quick recap. It's a long one. I, 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 I don't know why you missed it, but the Lord is merciful. The, the audio should be available. Um, so, we, so I'm going to do a quick recap. And um, I'll just start right away. Okay. With what we have to talk about tonight. And so last week, I gave us the breakdown of the basic themes of the book of Romans and I am doing this study so that when you are studying the book of Romans you will um, be able to understand what you are studying you know um, Philip was was instructed by the Spirit to to um, join himself with a chariot and he met an Ethiopian you know who was reading the scriptures and then he asked him a question understand it what thou readest and the guy said, "Ah, will I understand unless somebody teaches me?" 
And I want to say something very quickly. If you are of the school of thoughts that I can know God for myself, you know, some people in this Gen Z generation have that demonic, it's a demonic mindset. Say, I can know God for myself. I don't need any pastor, anybody to, I can know God. Maybe I have the Bible. I want to say something. Hmm? If you have that school of thoughts, there's deliverance for you tonight in Jesus' name. You know why? Because you cannot know God unless you are being taught. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you don't submit yourself to being taught the word of God, you cannot know God. Many people are falling into dangerous errors and heresies, you know, because of that subtle pride. I can know God for myself. That's, that doesn't make any sense. And then they will quote a scripture that, that just there's no part of scripture, I think, in the, in the Old Testament, in Jeremiah, it says, and they will all be taught of the Lord. And so they say, we will, so it's God that will teach me. It doesn't make any sense. Because if you, if you check scriptures, you will know that that statement doesn't make any sense. Because Jesus, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we saw that he ascended on high, alright? Led the captives captive and gave gifts unto men. And what were the gifts he gave unto men? He didn't give men cars. He didn't give men houses. You know what? You know the gifts that Christ gave to men? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. That's the gift of God. So when you neglect the gift of a pastor or an apostle or of a teaching ministry in your life, you have neglected your ability to come into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And so there are many people that have what I call, or what is generally called, an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit. You don't listen to anybody. Nobody teaches you. You know. And, and I always say this. I am, as much as I teach the scriptures, I am also a student of it. And by student, it means I submit to other people to teach me. And there's no pride in that. You know, I've, I've said it before. I was in a place teaching. And a lady asked me a question. You know, after the old, it was a two-day teaching you know, seminar. And I was teaching them about new creation realities and, and the basic truths of the kingdom. And so this lady, you know, she, she had been taking notes and all of that, serious with her life, right? And so she, on the last day, she asked me a simple, sincere question. She said, Sir, these things you have taught us, can I teach other people exactly the same way you have taught me and not feel like I'm stealing? I said, No. If you teach them exactly what I taught you, you have not stolen. There's no plagiarism when it comes to teaching of scriptures. Because the teaching of scriptures, the things I'm teaching you, did not originate from me. And so that's why I tell people, when you're doing Bible study, you don't bring in your perspective. You don't say things like, in my own opinion, this is what I think. No, you can't be saying, in your own opinion, this is what I think. You can't have your own thoughts. You go to the scriptures to receive a perspective, not to enforce your perspective on scriptures. And so you have to be taught. And so Paul would tell Timothy, and, and tell him that the things you have heard from me, commit thou to faithful men who will teach others also. The word faithful would mean men who are available and men who are committed to the things they are being taught. So first of all, the proof that you are faithful, you know, is that you are committed to what you are being taught and you are available to be taught. You know, I told you that guy said I'm his pastor. And I said to him, I'm not your pastor. Why? He's an unfaithful person. He's not available to be taught. So I'm not, I can be your brother, but I'm not your pastor. I get what I'm saying. And so he said, these guys committed to them so that they will teach others also. So you see the chain. 
the, the, the chain of revelation in the scriptures. You know, as, as mighty as Paul was in scriptures, when God called him and God taught him certain things, you know, through the prophets, don't forget, God taught him many things through the prophets, right? The guy had to go to Peter and to the elders of the church and submit a revelation. And he had to check it with them and they have to speak to him. They have to teach him. They have to give him the right perspectives. Are you getting what I'm saying? As mighty as Apollo was, Bible says Apollo was mighty in words and in scripture. But all he knew was the baptism of John. So there was a deficiency in his revelation knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? He didn't know anything about the finished works of Christ, about the death, burial and resurrection of the living son of God. And even though he was doing ministry, he had a great deficiency. And Aquila and Priscilla, they were not even apostles. They were just husband and wives who loved the Lord, who were fulfilling their destiny as believers. And they took him in and they taught him, they explained, they expounded the way of life to him. And the Bible says this guy was so mighty. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, submitting yourself to being taught the scripture is a proof that you are going to fulfill your destiny in God. You see, God cannot do much with a man that does not submit himself to teaching. You've got to be taught. You've got to be taught. And so one of the things I do personally, when I meet somebody who likes to argue, anything he says, I, I will tell him, I accept what you are saying. Because the ministry God gave us is not to argue or debate. The ministry we have is a ministry of teaching. We teach. And we teach people who are only meek enough. Your meekness is important. Are you with me? Because the Bible says, receive, the engra- receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your soul. Are you seeing that, friends? So it's very important that we are catching these things and we understand how it works. So blessed are you when you have a teacher to teach you the word of God. Blessed are you. It's a gift from God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. You give gifts unto me. Sometimes when God wants to bless your life, most times when He wants to bless your life, He just gives you a teacher. You know, many of us would have been wandering in the wilderness, if not that he sent us men to teach us, to help us. You know, the Bible says, um, I'm, I'm sorry I'm quoting many scriptures that are not in alignment with what I want to teach tonight. I don't know why I'm saying these things. I'm, not, I'm just playing with the Spirit, alright? So forgive me. <laughs> so, Paul was going to go to a particular city, and then the Lord forbade him. He said, don't go to that city. And so while he was sleeping at night, right? He saw a vision of a man of Macedonia. And the man came to him. I said, come to Macedonia and help us. Are you with me? Come to Macedonia and do what? And help us. That's what, the, that's what he saw in the vision. And so he knew. When he, when he came out from that vision, he knew the Lord would have him go to Macedonia to do the work of the ministry, to help men. And so when, when, ministry, when God sends ministry gift to you, an apostle, you know, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, teacher. It is to help you. You are receiving the help of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that's the way it works in the kingdom. And so I know many people that trivialize these things. There are some people now, they may be playing ball. They may be playing Arsenal and Chelsea may be playing ball now. I don't know if they're playing ball. I'm just saying. And they will leave Bible study and go and watch ball. You see, that kind of thing, God cannot bless you like that. To do these simple, simple things. It's just the way it works. Yeah, it's just the way it works. Just the way it works. God will help us. And so, last week we began to talk about do a study of the book of Romans, and many lives were blessed just as they will be today. And so, I broke um, 
the entire book of Romans. I broke it into five fundamental things. You know, I think last two months I promised you guys that we're going to do a bit of Pauline's theology this year. So this is going to serve as um, an introduction to Pauline's theology because some, many times, many, many of the errors and confusion and misunderstanding in the body of Christ have always come from Paul's letters. And so it's very important that a Christian is established in Pauline's theology. Right? So I broke it down into five basic things. And these things are just a way for me to summarize the entire book for you. So I'm hoping that I'm able to finish this, um, this night. And so we, I give it the, let me give it again. The first theme that Paul discussed in the book of Romans was the sinfulness and the unrighteousness of mankind. The sinfulness and the unrighteousness of mankind. And from Romans chapter 1 to chapter 3, Paul dealt with that. Alright? And the reason, you know, why I believe that Paul started with these thoughts of the sinfulness and the unrighteousness of mankind is because he's, he's talking to people he has not met before. You know, I gave you a background of the book of Romans last week that Paul had never met them before at the time he wrote the epistle of, to the Romans. He had not met them physically before. He was hoping that one of those days he was going to come and see them. So, so basically, Paul was trying to introduce them to the gospel. That's what he's doing. He's trying to introduce them to the gospel. And so he needed to start from the most fundamental truth. And the most fundamental truth for you to know as a believer is the sinfulness and the unrighteousness of mankind. And I said something profound last week that when you're preaching the gospel to somebody, you're not preaching based on your personal verdict. You know, some of you, when you see people who have who wear long skirts, who don't wear earrings, you just automatically imagine that they are fine. No, because when we did that study last week, I showed you how that God has placed a verdict on mankind and said, mankind is, is sinful. When you read Genesis chapter 5 or I think chapter 6 and thereabout, the Bible says, God said, My spirit shall no longer strive with man, for he also has become flesh. Flesh there does not, is not talking about your body. Flesh there is talking about an, a law, a, a, um, a, there's a, there's a principle at work in man that makes him continuously and constantly and, you know, what are that English now? He's just consistently and constantly at rebellion against God. So the natural man, right, the unbeliever, an unsaved man, is naturally rebellious to God. So the Spirit of God cried out and said, I cannot strive with man again. You know, it means, let me tell you what that place means. You see, the Holy Ghost is the power of the age to come. He's a powerful spirit. He's not, forgive my English, he's the powerful spirit. All other spirits are powerless. The Holy Ghost is the very power of God. For the Holy Ghost to come to a point and cry and say, ah, I cannot strive with man. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot help him. You know, I'm going to be sharing some things today that will help, that will, shake, that will shake your theology a little, especially when I come to the, to the topics for today. I want your heart to be open because we'll see scripture. Alright? And so, the Holy Ghost cried out. Let's open that scripture. I think I need to open it. Um, Genesis chapter 6 from verse 1 to verse 1 to um, 3 Genesis chapter 6 from verse 1 to 3 so this is God's verdict for, about mankind this is God's conclusion about mankind 
It says, I'm using NIV. It says, when human beasts began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them. Genesis chapter 6 verse 1. The sons of God saw that daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever. For they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. So, what that place is saying is that God got to a point. He saw the human nature. He saw mankind, including you, when you were unsaved. God saw the entirety of mankind. And he saw how we cannot help man. At this state, my spirit can no longer strive. Some, you know, some early manuscripts put it as, my spirit can no longer remain in man because he has become flesh. Death has taken over him. Death has taken over him. So, God's verdict about mankind is that man cannot be improved. He has become utterly sinful and utterly wicked. And so, that was what we discussed last week about the sinfulness and unrighteousness of mankind. I can't go into everything because it's a long it's a long theology, right? It's a, it's a huge one. And so the second thing that Paul began to talk about, that after Paul had let them know that the whole of mankind is sold under sin, right? He now brought them into the consciousness of God's mercy and how that by God's mercy or in God's mercy, God has provided a way for men to be righteous. And what was God's provision? Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul discussed first of all the sinfulness of mankind. Then he began to talk about God's provision for the redemption of man. Are you with me too? To help man. And he did that through Jesus Christ, through his cross, his burial, and his resurrection, and ultimately his ascension. Are you with me? And so the same, you know, the same. Um, Spirit that could not stay in man is now the same spirit that God has now sent through Jesus Christ to us that believe. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, you know, we have now become children of God by the mercy of God and by the grace of God, which He displayed through the sacrifice and the atonement of Jesus Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? And I think that's where we stopped last week. And it's a whole lot of things. I spoke about the law and grace. I spoke about um, the finished works of Christ and I spoke about the last Adam and the first Adam. It's a whole lot. So if you missed last week, you missed a lot of revelation knowledge. But so for tonight, because of time, I hope to, to be able to take the three other teams. And so tonight I will just go straight to the third team that Paul began to talk about. And so when Paul had talked about the sinfulness of mankind and he had talked about God's provision for righteousness, for mankind, then Paul began to talk about the essence of salvation, or you can put it as the expression of the divine life, whichever way you want to put it is fine. The essence of salvation, okay, let's do this way write the essence of salvation, and in the bracket, write the expression of the divine life. The expression of the divine life, hallelujah! And that's because when God saved you, when you got saved and God gave you His spirit, there's a purpose for it. God doesn't just give you the Holy Ghost so that um, you can just go to church and speak in tongues. No, that's part of it, actually. 
you know, going to church is a fundamental part of your spiritual journey upon the earth. But you see, there's a reason why you have been saved. And you get what I'm saying. And so Paul talked about it from Romans chapter 6 to Romans chapter 8. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to split this particular team into three. So firstly, I will talk about um, the believer's reality or the believer's dominion over sin. Alright? <clears throat> the believer's dominion over sin. And secondly, I will talk about the, um, the struggle or why Christians struggle to work with God. Right? Why Christians struggle to work with God. Why Christians struggle to live above sin. And then I will talk about Lastly, for this section, I will talk about um, <clears throat> how to work or how to experience dominion over sin, how to experience you know, victory over sin. All right. So, firstly, I will talk about the fact that the believer has dominion over sin. That is the second case. And secondly, I will talk about why believers struggle with sin. For for many believers, it seems as though they are helpless. They are helpless, you know. You look around you, somebody will say, I'm a believer, but you know, you see the way they live and all of those things. And many of them, it's not like they want to do it, but there's a struggle somewhere. I'll talk about it today. And um, as, as I do these teachings, a lot of addictions will be broken. All right? Um, <laughs> all right. So let's go straight to the point. So, Paul, from Romans chapter 6 to chapter 8, began to talk about God's design or God's essence for saving us why did God save us from sin and death what was the essence how do we express this reality you know, how do we express this reality and so in Romans chapter 6 all right, Paul helps us to understand that as a believer you have dominion over sin it's not something you pray for you don't pray to have dominion over sin you don't fast for it I've seen people that maybe they were suffering from masturbation you know struggling with masturbation and you know after masturbating for many years and struggling and so they went on dry fast <laughs> and they, after the, the dry fast they ended the dry fast with masturbation so it's a, it's a very it's a very depressing state you know I remember a particular man some years ago if I mention his name you will know him you know I was in a meeting I think probably 8 years ago and he was talking about how you know he struggled with you know um keeping himself abstaining from fornication as a believer you know any church he goes to all the ladies are in trouble and I think he was in choir I don't know why it's choir that is always facing that kind of thing and so when he enters the choir like this half of the ladies in the choir will end up in his bedroom and so he had struggles with it you know he wasn't pleased with that state, but he had struggled for so many years and he, and, and he talked about how he would go on fasting and he would end the fasting sleeping with a girl with a sister in church and then unto God gave him a, 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 an understanding which I'm going to be sharing with you today hmm? so I want you to pay attention and so Romans chapter 6 I'll just read some few scriptures and we're not going to be doing chapter by chapter explanation I'll just summarize and then we'll go on to the next one because we have quite a number of things to do with so when you read Romans chapter 6 Paul says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound Two, he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer during? So Paul is trying to now show them the essence of their salvation. He's not saying, 
salvation that you are saved doesn't mean you should continue in sin. You have experienced God's grace. So because you have God's grace now, should you not continue in sin? Paul says, no, that's not the, that's not the way it is. And then he gives them one of the most important things you need to understand. Verse 2, he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Are you seeing what he's saying? He's giving them their reality. And he's saying, you are dead to sin. And so, he's not, not saying, pray that you'll be dead to sin. No, that's not it. You know, a lot of people, when they're preaching holiness, they preach it in such a way that it's not different from how Moses preached holiness to the Jews at Mount Sinai. Why? Because you don't get victory over sin by do's and don'ts. Can you get to what I'm saying? You know, there's a particular preacher that says something very funny. He said, when they were in university, there's a particular brother that used to condemn them and talk so much about uh, um, um, fornication. That, how, can you, how can you be shaking sisters? How can you be hugging sisters? Alright? How can you be? And I'm going to talk about those things. I'm going to explain later. But just get my point. Just follow my heart. Alright? Follow my thoughts. And so, he, he always make all those statements. How can you be hugging girls? How can you be shaking sisters? How can you be smiling to sisters? And all those funny, funny things. Because it was that legalistic. And so I think, in my own thought, I think God wanted to humble him. And so he fell into fornication. You get what I'm saying? With all his mouth. How can you be hugging sisters? How can you be shaking sisters? How can you be smiling? He ended up, you know, <laughs> you know he ended up fornicating. And then the, the preacher said he became humble. <laughs> you see, because victory over sin is not, not shouting. Firstly, you have to understand this principle, this foundational truth that Paul is saying by the Spirit. You are dead to sin. That is your reality. That is, that is your reality. So sin does not have dominion over you. You see, it's a mental shift. You know, I've explained this before. I don't know if I've done if I've, Okay, I think, okay, I was sharing in church in my local assembly doing Bible study. And I was doing a teaching and I was explaining to them this um, this fundamental truth that you cannot how do I put this for you to understand <laughs> you cannot you cannot how do I put this I want to say it in such a way that it won't confuse somebody because when we are talking about these kind of things a lot of people will be saying are you trying to say that alright but I want to because I'm not seeing you guys I want to be careful with my words and, and just and just say it the way the Bible says it, alright? So Paul is saying that you are dead to sin. That is your reality. Alright? If you do not understand that it is your reality, it will be difficult for you to experience it. I've always said it before. Your consciousness determines your experience. Are you following what I'm saying? Your consciousness determines your experience. And I've said it before. Okay, so I was going to talk about, you know, a teaching I was doing in church, doing one of our Bible studies. And I was saying that the greatest stronghold of the enemy is not when they say they tie somebody's destiny in the calabash. I don't even know what that means. That's not. The greatest stronghold is mental stronghold. 
It's a mental stronghold. And so when you read, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul began to talk about these strongholds, ideologies, thought patterns. You know, many times a family pattern, all right, is a product of mindsets. For example, if people die at 50 years, all the male child die at 50 years in a family. It's not because Satan is that powerful. Satan knows that what you see and what you accept as a consciousness, all right, becomes your reality, becomes your experience. And so, there needs to be the first way, all right, to overcoming sin is to have a mental shift. To understand that you are dead to sin. Are you with me? That you're what? That you are dead to sin. When you read Colossians, I'm not be opening many scriptures today because we have a lot of things to talk about. When you open to Colossians chapter 2, towards the ending part, Paul began to talk about the fact that why do you people try to you know, live a holy life by do's and don'ts? Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou must, thou shalt. You know. He says all of those things don't help. They don't help to destroy the cravings of the flesh. You know? He now says that what, in chapter 3, he now says what really helps is for you to understand that you are dead and that your life is hid in Christ. Christ has become your life. Are you with me, friends? So you are dead. If you do not know that you are dead, it will be impossible for you to live a holy life. You see, the reason why many people struggle is because they don't know this truth. Let's do a more in-depth study. Look at verse 3. Paul says, Know ye not, you see? He's saying, Do you not know? Do you not have the knowledge? That so many of us, as we are baptized into Jesus Christ, we are baptized into his death. Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him, with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. You know what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, If I knew you are dead, the you now is Christ living in infinite body. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the major problem of an average Christian is that he wants to improve himself. And I'm going to explain these things in details, alright? Just follow my thought. He wants to improve himself. You know, I met a sister one time. She said she has been struggling with hot temper. And she has this hot child. been struggling with this hot temper for a long time. And I said, the reason why you are struggling is because you are struggling. You, 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 you. You are struggling. You want to overcome it by yourself. And it's because you lack the understanding that God crucified you. The life you have now is the life of Christ. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at um, Galatians chapter 2 verse 10. Verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Look at this. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not high. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 21, he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the Lord, then Christ is dead in vain. Do you know what he's saying? Hallelujah. He's saying that I have been crucified. The man living right now is Christ living in my body are you getting the gist is Christ because I told you that that's why I had to fully explain the sinfulness of mankind and God's verdict God's verdict over mankind 
is that man is utterly useless. The flesh is utterly useless. We can't, we can't help him find him. The only way we can help him is to kill him. We can't help Zara. The only way is to crucify Zara so that Christ can now live in her. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so, the way spiritual things operate is that if you don't have knowledge, you can't experience it. Are you with me, friends? If you don't have knowledge, that's why Paul says, Do you not know? Know ye not that as many of us, all right, as many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, we were baptized into his death. So you died the death of the cross when Jesus died. And so when you are coming into the faith, you are not coming as you. You are not coming as Zara, trying to please God as Zara, trying to please God as Peru. No, God crucified you on the cross and the new you is actually Christ living in your body. So Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But actually, the life I live now is the life of Christ. It's Christ living in me. That's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is trying to is a knowledge. And you see, many people will say, ah, how can this thing be true? I know it's very difficult for your mind to understand. But if your mind can grasp it, you will see that truly you are dead to sin. God has put you over. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's what the scripture says. This is your reality. And, and so he says, that even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. Chapter 4, verse 4 rather. Let me jump to verse 6. He says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. So it's not something you are praying for. God help me, I don't want to be sinning. Help me, no, you are wasting your time praying those prayers. Because all you need to do is to have the knowledge that you are dead. God did away with the body of sin. And right now, it is impossible for you to serve sin. Are you getting what I'm saying, friends? That is, that is who you are. I'm showing you your reality, you see. Because um, in the book of James, James chapter 2, if I'm correct, or chapter 1, verse 20, 21, 22, there about. Alright? James began to talk about how that when we look at the scriptures with the word of God, it's as though it's like when a, man, a woman looks at the mirror. She looks at the mirror to see herself in the mirror. And then Jesus now says, the problem of many people is that when they look at the scripture, then they look away. And so because they look away, they forget what manner of man they are. So that means if you look into the scripture, you will see your reality. Are you going to get what I'm saying? If you do what? If you look into the scriptures, you will see because the scripture shows you your reality. Look at this chapter, it's showing us our reality that sin shall not have dominion. Paul is not saying pray about it, perhaps one day you overcome. And so I told her sister, I said, I said, the reason why you are struggling with all temper is because you are struggling, you are reviving the old man. And the way you revive the old man is when you try to please God in the flesh. When you do that, you have activated the law. And that's why Paul began to talk about that in Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. He said, should I not frustrate the grace of God? What does it mean to frustrate the grace of God? You frustrate the grace of God when you try to please God by the arm of the flesh. You are frustrating the grace of God. Because the grace of God was given. Are you with me? To help you live above sin by the power of God. By the power of the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of you. And so every time you make up your mind and write in a book, I will not lie this year. 
I, you know, see what you said. I will. You are, you are using I, I. You know, that's what makes Satan fail. He said, you know, in um, in Isaiah chapter forty, he said, I will, I will be like. You know, why you begin to say I will, I will, I will? That is flesh talking. That is flesh. That is that is flesh talking. That's what that's what that's that is pride. That's what drags men down. That's what makes men fall from the grace of God. Are you seeing that, friends? Are we get what I'm saying? So the scripture shows you your reality. And until you behold who you really are, you can't walk in the experience of who you are. And so the first thing Paul says here, he says, No, know ye not. Verse 6 now says, Knowing this, he's saying the same thing. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with, with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not start sin. So what is Paul saying? The first step to experiencing victory over sin is to know. You have to know that right now, right now, this moment in Christ Jesus, right now, you have been given the ability to have dominion over sin. You have the capacity. So that would mean that you can actually look masturbation in the face and say, Masturbation, I'm not a slave to you. Pornography, I'm not a slave to you. I'm going to give you two examples. This, I mean, real life stories, real life stories. And I'm, 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 I'm not going to be sharing uh, something that is a lie. You can go find out. I'll know this knowing, you know, and this knowing and you reckoning. Because when you read um, verse 11, when you read verse 11 of Romans chapter 6, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. So, in verse 6, it says, Knowing this, verse 11, it says, Reckon. Are you seeing that? Time? There are two different things. Because you can know something, but you don't reckon with it. To reckon means to accept, to acknowledge, to account. To account yourself. So, you may know that you are dead to sin, but you have refused to account yourself. Are you getting what I'm saying? There are two different things. There are two different things that Paul is saying. First of all, you have to know. Secondly, you have to reckon. You have to acknowledge it. You have to acknowledge what you know. You have to accept it. You have to account that indeed you are dead to sin. So, so I said I was going to give you two examples. The first one is the same man of God. That is, um, should I mention his name? No, I won't. Right? Okay, let me mention his name. Praise for Owe. You know, many of us may not know him, but some of us may. He talked about something some years back. And he said, you know, he's the same man I said was struggling, you know, with fornication, you know, sleep with all the old girls in the choir and all of that. And he will fast, you know, because he's trying, he's trying his best, he's struggling, he's trying to come out of that thing by the arm of the flesh, you know. And it's always a waste of time. And so he will end the fast. Are you seeing that? He will end the fast with. He <laughs> will end the fast with. With fornication. And so, and so God told him one day. And God said, go to church. Give a testimony. Have you seen God's wisdom? God says, go to God told him. I said, now go to church. When he was struggling, you know, praying, crying to God. God said, don't cry. Go to church the next, the, the next service day. Go and give a testimony and announce that before you used to struggle with fornication but now you are free Christ has made you free you are free from you know from fornication that's what God told him and he went to do that testify say I have testimony I have testimony they say come and give your testimony and he shared his testimony he said imagine it doesn't make any sense 
God telling you, tell them that you are free, that you are not, you are not a fornicator, you are free. You know what God was trying to do? God was trying to help him to fulfill these spiritual principles of knowing and reckoning. Because one of the ways you reckon is to speak. Reckoning. You speak, you confess. And so God made him do that. God said, make a confession. Make a reckoning. Tell them, testify, account yourself as free. And that was the last day he had to struggle with fornication. The second example is this woman. Um, some of us will know her. Mrs. Tommy Adesa. She, you know, she's a relationship coach. And so I was in a meeting, I think, um, was it this year? Yes, this year. You know, and she was sharing how she was able to, how she was able to overcome um, masturbation. She was a believer, but she would struggle with masturbation. And so when she began to get exposed to this light, she said, anytime she masturbates, she, instead of crying and, and, you know, you know, and, and being sorrowful, she would just sit down and begin to confess and say, I'm not a slave to masturbation. I reckon that I'm free from masturbation. I'm not a slave. I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. She began to, you see, because it's a mental shift you need. It's not a spiritual. It's, not, it's just a mental shift. Because where the enemy is, is, is taking advantage of you, is in your mind. And you reckoning and speaking what you, you know, what you believe. You are actually, you know, shifting your mind. Because what you say, your soul, your mind is hearing it. And so she will make that confession and say, I'm free. I'm free from masturbation. This is not who I am. I'm just being manipulated. Actually, I'm free. This is how she began to say it. And before she knew it, she lost the ability to masturbate. I'm talking about real life testimonies. These are not... <laughs> and there are many people like that. Many people that have been free. You see, because where the enemy catches you is to bring you to a point where you think that you have to do some things to overcome. If the enemy can get you to a place where he makes you feel like you have not yet overcome, you need to pray more to overcome, you need to fast more to overcome, you need to do many things more to overcome, he has defeated you. Because you can never defeat him outside of the realm of faith. And so the way to defeat the enemy is not in the, in the realm of works. It's not in the realm of reasoning. It, you defeat the enemy in the realm of faith. So you change the battleground. When you change the battleground and you shift the battleground to the realm of faith, he loses the battle automatically. Are you getting what I'm saying? So right now you are, you are listening to me. You are having you know, you know, addictions here and there. I want to tell you that you are free. That's God's word. That's what Paul is saying. Say, knowing this, that your old man has been crucified. You are dead to sin. That's what God's verdict for you. God's verdict for the old man is that the old man deserves to be crucified. God's verdict for your new man, which is Christ Jesus. Are you with me? Is that this one now is righteous. This one now can walk with me. This one now can do my will. That's what we are talking about. And so, you have all temper. Somebody just offends you small. The way you lash the person, even the person can go and commit suicide. It's not about struggling and say, eh, the best you can do is that you will suppress it. We're not talking about suppressing things. We're not talking about, that's not what we are talking about. You can suppress something for a while. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, somebody came to me, you know, last, some months back, 
you know, that's it just opened up to me about, you know, <laughs> oh my God, opened up to me about, you know, masturbation and all of that. And how, you know, there was a time he was able to suppress the thing and so for some months he didn't do it. But you see, you can, you can suppress an addiction or, you know, some certain tendencies only for a while. You, you, can, you can be able to suppress it for a while, but you will not be able to you not be able to overcome it that way. So I told him when he spoke to me, I said, the reason why you are masturbating is because you are trying not to. So I told him, I said, don't, don't try not to. Don't try not to masturbate. Understand that right now, right here, your present day experience, your present day reality, reality is that you have overcome masturbation. He looked at me and said, what are you saying? I said, this is the Bible. This is scripture. Most times when people come to me and tell me about addictions, what I just tell them to do is I tell them, can we immerse ourselves into Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 8? And this is what I tell them. And a lot of people have been free. You know, some people, they won't be free because it's hard to believe. I, can, I'm, I, still, I, still, I still feel like masturbating. You are telling me I've overcome it. It doesn't make sense with natural mind. But this is the word of God. You have to know and you have to reckon. Because if you don't know, that you are free and that you have overcome and if you don't reckon that indeed you are free and that you have overcome it will be hard for you to experience victory how do you get what i'm saying so i'm making this very simple for us to understand that the way to overcome sin is not to try to overcome it the way you overcome sin is to know that you have overcome it that's what the bible teaches so look at verse 12 Verse 12 now says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know what Paul is now saying? Paul is now saying, After you have been able to know, and you have come into the place of reckoning, then there's an ability to now... Alright, to now deny the impulses of the flesh. For example, you will always have sexual urges. All of us do, but not all of us are fornicating. It's just it's not because you see, when you say two believers, alright, one is falling into sin, you know, doing all manner, and I'm using many, you know, these popular ones because these are the ones that we actually hold, you know. I feel personally that both the person that keeps malice, the person that likes to unforgive, to um, that doesn't like to forgive, and the person that fornicates, they are all they are all still they need the same help. But it's just that you know the, the way we we exalt one particular sin above the other, and I understand why. All right, but look at this. What we separate two believers, you know, one is falling into sin, the other is not. It's not because. The other person who is not falling into sin is more of a child of God than the one who is falling into sin. It's just because the other person has been able to tap into the economy of God's grace. And the other person is trying to struggle, is trying to help himself out of it, thereby frustrating the grace of God. And so, what Paul is simply saying here is that when you are able to know and then you are able to reckon, it will become so easy for you to yield to righteousness. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the reason why you will not fornicate is not because you don't have sexual urges. 
It's not because your body doesn't, doesn't want to do some things. No, your body will want to do many things. But the reason why you are not is because you have been able to, alright, to understand that you are dead to it. That's not your life. That's not who you are. You're not a fornicator. You have been able to reckon. Your mind has reckoned with it. And so that reckoning has, has, has brought you to the place where you can receive the grace of God to resist that temptation, alright, and to yield yourself to what? To righteousness. That's just the way it works. Now you get what I'm saying. And so, you know, I was talking to somebody today and I was saying that many, you know, pastors get it wrong. Alright. When they, when they, uh, you know, a, a brother is fornicating, you call him out of the church and then you say, brother, brother, so, 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 and so, 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 has fornicated, so we are suspending them. You have not helped them. Now, I'm not saying people should not be disciplined, but you have not, you have not, you have not helped them. What you ought to do is even though you have disciplined them, you are supposed to teach them. You teach them. This is who you are. This is your reality. You know, some guys brought a case to me sometime and spoke about a guy. You know, how how he has been messing up. You know, in different in, in diverse sexual vices. And I said, you see, many of you that are talking about this guy, it's not because you are better than him. Provided you 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 are in the same temptation that is in you are likely to also fall i said instead of us talking about this guy can we just apart from praying for him can we teach him can we can we let him see who he has become and that's the way i used to end gossip when you bring gossip to my table i kill it dead don't bring gossip to my table all right i kill it dead let's help this person let's teach him let's show him the way of light let's show him what he has become but sadly many of them were gossiping they also have their own problems you know, and our problems are kind of greater, but you know, everybody likes to feel righteous than the other person. I get what I'm saying. So you you know that you are dead to sin, and then you reckon. And one of the ways you show that you are, you have reckoned is that you confess it. That is your reality. It's not that you are trying to be positive. It's just who you are. It's just who you are. That's just who you are. You are dead to sin. And so as you speak it, because the problem is in your, in, in your mental faculty, that's where the enemy uses to, you know, to, to, to ensnare you. How you get what I'm saying? But as you learn to reckon, to confess your reality, you discover that there's enough grace to yield to righteousness. How you get what I'm saying? Now look at, this, you know, I think, look at chapter 7. Chapter 7, then Paul began to talk about you know, what makes people struggle with sin? What makes people struggle with sin? And I'm going to show you now. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. Are we getting blessed tonight? These are just practical teachings. Right? And so, I'm, ah, my time is going, so I need to skip some particular scriptures. So, let me just summarize what Paul is saying in chapter 7. Paul began to talk about the struggle that comes with you, you know, wanting to do God's will and then you find yourself doing bad. You didn't mean to, to, to give that person such insultive words. But you just find yourself always doing that. Even though you know it's not good, you're not supposed to be like that. But you, you struggle with it. You, you struggle with hot temper. You struggle, you know, 
with the opposite sex, you, you struggle with, um, you know, you're an usher in church, but every time you're putting the money in your pocket, money of you know, all these kind of different things, or you struggle with an addiction, or thereabout, and then you, you, you know it's not, you don't want to do it, but you find yourself just doing it. In chapter 7, Paul began to describe this as a case of trying to live by the power of the Lord. Are you get what I'm saying? Every time you, you, want to be, you want to do God's will by do's and don'ts, you are always going to struggle. And that's why in chapter 6, he had to tell them the way out is to know that you are dead to sin, to reckon that you are dead to sin and alive to God, and then you are now able to yield. Because what your reality in Christ Jesus is what empowers you to yield to righteousness. And chapter 7 is trying to give them the, the negative aspect by telling them if you, if you really want to work with God by fulfilling the law, by your works, by doing, don't do this, do that, you are always going to struggle. You are always going to struggle. And that's why many Christians struggle. So you see, the Christians say, you know, you write a new, res- new resolution and say, this year, I'm not, I'm not going to fight with anybody. Before January thought, you are fought. Okay, this year, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. Before, before January is over, you have done it more than you did it the last time. Why? Because every time you, you place your righteousness on do's and don'ts, you, you activate the law of sin and death. You activate the principle of struggling. Because that's not, way, that's not how God designed it. Because if the law could save us, if the law could make us righteous, Jesus would not have come. That's what you need to understand. If the law could help us, if the law could make us free from sin, Jesus, because even the people that had the law, the Jews, were not able to keep it. And so you struggle because now you don't want to get angry again. So you are trying to suppress it. And listen, no matter how much you suppress anger issues, because you are trying to suppress, a day will come, you are going to bust out. Are you getting what I'm saying? You are going to bust out. So you are trying to suppress, you know, and not fall any longer into sexual immorality. You are trying to, okay, you know what, I'm not going to go to a sister's house. I'm not going to shake a sister. I'm not going to talk to, I'm not even going to, I, I, I delete all, my, all the female or my friends from my contact list. I don't want to talk to them. You are just setting up yourself for another fall. And so it is impossible for you by the arm of the flesh to overcome sin. Just in case you want to try, you have, you have a lot of confidence in your flesh and your self-will. All right. Paul is saying, in case that's what you want to do, know that you are going to struggle. Know that you are going to have struggles. Hallelujah. And that's what he was trying to say in Galatians chapter 2 verse 21. He says, do I now frustrate the grace of God? He says, no, for because if I try to be righteous by the law, then I make the grace of Christ over my life to be in vain. So do's and don'ts, trying to keep the law, trying to not do this, trying to not do that. And of course, if you, if, if you, if you have a, a pure mind, you know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying live like a desicali, just do this anyhow. Alright, you get what I'm saying? But I'm talking about trying by your wisdom, by your strength to overcome a certain sin. You are going to always find out that you will always go back to it because you are frustrating the grace of God. You are trying to be righteous by the arm of the flesh, by the law. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so it is impossible 
for any man to overcome sin by the arm of the flesh. It is impossible. I guess probably what I'm saying. You know, what I'm doing tonight is that I want as many of us listening to me to be helped. That's what we are doing tonight. We're not even I'm not even trying to say many things that will that will excite us. That will I want you to understand that it is possible if we understand what I'm saying. And so when you go to chapter 8, when you read chapter 8, verse 1. Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Verse 2, he says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Are you seeing that now? Okay, let's read Romans chapter 7, verse 25. No, verse 24. Just to give Romans chapter 8. A perfect context, all right. Romans chapter 7, verse 24. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 25. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Then he now says in chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. Are you seeing that now? Who walk not by the energy of the flesh, by the impulses of the flesh, by the wisdom and the strength of the flesh, but after the spirit. Verse 2, he says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of of sin and death. So what he's simply saying is that he's trying to show us how to experience victory. And how to experience victory is that you walk after the spirit. And what does it mean to walk after the spirit? It means that you are depending, you are trusting, you are relying on the ability of the spirit in you to help you live above sin on a daily basis. Then in verse 2, he now says, this is possible because the law of the spirit of life, have you seen that? Has already made you free, made me free, made us free from the law of sin and death. When you hear law in the Bible, in this context, it's talking about principle, nature, and operation. It's talking about nature. It's saying that you have received the nature of the spirit of life. And so because you have received the new nature, you have been delivered, you have been set free, you have been made free from the nature of sin and death. This is what we need to understand. That right now, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from the law of sin and death. You are no more a slave to sin. Why? Because there's a new law at work in you. There's a new nature in you. There's a new oppression, a new principle in you that is at work. Hallelujah. So verse 3, it says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Are you seeing that now? God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh verse 4 that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit so we are walking after the spirit so how do you experience victory walking after the spirit let's read it in niv for uh, you know proper understanding look at verse 8 um chapter 8 verse uh oh, sorry Romans chapter 8 verse 4 Hallelujah Praise God Let's read it from verse 1 
Romans chapter 8 verse 1 NIV therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh so even the law could not do what you know because Paul says the law is spiritual the law came from God but the law could not achieve its purpose because the flesh has weakened it so every time you want to attain righteousness attain holy living by the flesh know that you have set yourself to fall because the flesh when you are walking by the flesh it means you are walking by the principle of the old nature all right it becomes impossible for you to keep the law you know somebody was telling me today yeah just today you know a friend was talking to me you know just you know we're just talking along this line and he was saying that um you discover that in his church every time their pastor you know before before the new pastor they had now you know when the pastor says many of you are smoking in this church many of you are carrying women many of you are sleeping with different boys he said you notice that when the pastor keeps saying those things you know condemning them telling them don't do this don't do that he discovers that that is when they will not do it the more that is when the thing will increase are you with me have you discovered that if, when they, is when they tell you don't steal meat in the pot that's when your mind will be going to that pot to steal it the law always the law will always expose that that the flesh cannot please god the law that's what the law came to do so every time you want to walk by the law don't do this, don't do that you will always discover that you are bound to do it so every time they tell you don't do this that's when you will now go and do it how you get what i'm saying so he says what for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh god did by sending his own son you see that I told you when I was talking about law and grace that under the law we are trying to please God we are the one doing the work we are do- working ourselves out trying to please God under the law that's what happens but under grace God is the one working in us so that we can please him are you seeing that now? so under grace God does the work so the difference between being under the law and being under grace is who is doing the work so if you are the one trying not to get angry anymore, you are under the law. But if it is that you are opening up your heart for God to work in you so that you will not get angry again, you are under grace. That's what we are, that's what we are talking about. So you see that God did what the law could not do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did it. How? By sending his own son. That is grace. In the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Who do not live according to the flesh. It means we don't live by the power of the flesh. You are not relying on the flesh to please God. But according to the spirit. So you are living your life by the power of the spirit. You are allowing the spirit to work the pleasure of God in you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? So you, you, you want to overcome a certain habit. You, 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 you know, when a goat wears skirt, your body will shake. Are you getting what I'm saying? You, you just know anything of sketch. You just want to. You get what I'm saying? The, the thing is not to say, I will try not to. What you ought to do is to say, by the spirit of God in me. I receive capacity not to. And so, doing that, saying that, having that consciousness, you are opening up your heart 
you are opening up yourself for the spirit to walk in you that's what it means to walk according to the spirit to live according to the spirit you are living by the power of the spirit it isn't clear to us look at verse 6 it says verse 5 sorry it says those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires so it's about your mind are you seeing that now it's about i thought it's a mental shift it's a mental shift that's why paul says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so it's a mental shift when you begin to take your mind off you trying not to and trying to do this and you change you shift your mind by by knowing that you are dead to sin and reckoning that you are dead to sin all right and you shift your mind to the spirit of god at work in you and you are conscious that the holy ghost in you is able to help you walk righteously you will discover that sin truly does not have dominion over you Are you get what i'm saying Look at verse 6. It says, The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So you allow the spirit to govern your mind. You set your mind on the Holy Ghost. The Lord told me this many years ago and it helped me. You know, because we too, we came from a stock where they would tell us, don't do this, do this, do that, do that, that, that. I don't know those things. Alright? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the Lord told me some years back, and it was very shocking. The Lord broke my pride. He said, Pollution, the only thing good in you is the Holy Ghost. I said, Wow, this is a revelation. <laughs> and he began to show me from these scriptures that the only good thing in me is the Holy Ghost. So that's why I rely on the Holy Ghost. I set my mind on Him to help me through my journey in life to live a pure and righteous and holy life are you getting what i'm saying so if you ask me a question and say we're a young man why are you not sleeping around i will say because i'm relying on the holy ghost and i can tell you this by the mercy of god god has helped me if you ask me and say why don't you have anger issues i say holy ghost is helping me it's not as if people don't vex me but i rely on him I'm not trying to suppress it. I allow him to take over my emotions. And I do that because I'm conscious of him. Now, I'm not saying I don't make mistakes, alright? I'm not trying to make a hero out of myself. But I'm saying that I've seen that this is how it works. This, is, this thing is true. This, this thing is, is, is valid. So if you are struggling with any area of your life, sinning and all of those things, you know, what I'm simply saying to you tonight, by the authority of God's word, set your mind on Christ, on, on the Spirit of God, on the inside of you. Are you following what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So verse 7, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Are you saying that? It is impossible for you to by the arm of the flesh please God. You cannot. Because this is... Oh my God. I think many of us, many of us, we, 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 you know, we are proud in a sense. You know, every time you try to please God by the arm of the flesh, you are actually being proud. You, you, you still have um, a good notion of yourself. All right? In quote, you still have a good, you still feel 
and there's still small good in me now. I can still try to do good by myself. That's what that's what you are doing. But it's a waste of time because Paul says here, he says the mind governed by the flesh is hostile. The mind centered on the flesh, centered on the possibilities of the flesh, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. You cannot submit to God's law. It's impossible. <laughs> you cannot submit to God's law. It is impossible for you to submit to God's law. And it is, it is just an impossibility. So every time you try to please God by the arm of the flesh, you are setting up yourself for a fall. Because it is impossible. So verse 8, Paul says, Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Look at that. Then verse 9, it shows you your reality. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are where? In the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Are you seeing these things? So you are not in the flesh. You are where? In the spirit. Why? Because the spirit of God lives in you. And so right now, it is possible for you to please God. You see, you just have to believe it. That it is possible for you to please God now. It still boils down to what I said. Knowing and reckoning. You just have to believe that right now it is possible to walk with God. Right now I can please God. Look at the language that Paul is using. He says you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. You are in the realm of the spirit. You are not trying to be in the spirit. Are you with me? You are not trying to be in the spirit. You are in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is in you. The spirit of God is in you. And so there's nothing like I'm trying to be in the spirit. No, I am always in the spirit. The strange thing for a believer is to be outside of the spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, your, your location has changed. It's just what we discussed last week. You know, this is just like an, a better explanation. When I began to talk to you about the first Adam and the last Adam, that you have changed location. God didn't try to improve your location. He didn't try to improve you in the first Adam. He had to crucify you. And so in the new Adam, you are a new creation. In the last Adam, rather, you are a new creation. Fashioned according to the similitude of the Christ. Are you with me? So we struggle because even though we are in Christ Jesus, we are of the last Adam, we still believe that there's hope for us if we walk according to the wisdom of the first Adam. Okay, let me, let me explain what I'm saying to you. Practical example. If, if this is all I do today, I'll be glad. Because I want us to really catch this thing that I'm saying. Because a lot of people say, I've been hearing the word of God, I'm not changing. No, that's not it. It's not that the word of God is important. It's that you're not believing what you are hearing. You believe that God is at work in you. At the same time, you also believe that you can by your own power please God. So you are living a contradictory life. When you are being told, say, glory, I'm, I'm of the last day that I'm glory. But you still believe that you can still take something of the first Adam to help you please God. God crucified you. And the life you are living is the life of Christ. So let me give you an example. There's a brother that, that gave me this wonderful testimony. He was struggling with, um, is it pornography? I think pornography. I think he, he, is, he was struggling with pornography. I think pornography and masturbation, the two. And he had, he had been trying his best, you know, he would, go, he would go and, you know, he would delete, you know, the videos. Maybe he would even put his phone under his bed for some months. 
after some months you will go back to the phone and pick it up you sure cannot do without phone in this age so you are in trouble so he was struggling with that for many years you know he even went as far as maybe i think as having a roommate a roommate will still not help you all right even though it may help you in a way but it will still not help you to overcome right so he was doing all those things but he was still under that um you know that struggle and so he met a particular brother one time whom i know very well and he, he opened up to that brother and said okay you know what i'm struggling with pornography forget that i'm speaking in tongues you know and the guy said okay he said your problem is pride and he was like how does pride and um, masturbation and pornography relate but that's just all that one was going to say but i know the person doesn't that one doesn't even have mercy to talk to to share revelation like i'm doing now <laughs> he just told him straight point say your problem is pride you just believe you just have pride that you can overcome it yourself that's what he told him and so this and so he told him he said just go to the spirit of god he will tell you what to do and that's what many of us don't know that the way to live a holy life is to sit down with the ghost and say holy ghost you are the one at work in me how do i go about this you get what i'm saying and so he caught that word and then he went to the holy ghost i said holy ghost i'm sorry i've been trying to overcome this thing by my power what should i do to overcome masturbation and pornography guess what the holy ghost said the holy ghost told him don't eat at a particular time of the day when it, i mean when it gets to a particular time of the day don't eat again it doesn't make any sense i think i can't remember the time maybe it was 6 p.m i think the Ghost told him once it's, it's 6 p.m don't eat again that's what the Ghost told him and he obeyed but, but when we say walking after the spirits many of us think it's something spooky holy ghost listen the problem of your the the way that you will you know begin to experience victory over anger issues may just be something that doesn't even make sense but you see the holy ghost knows the root of the problem are you following what I'm saying, friends? The Holy Ghost does what? He knows the root of the problem. He knows how to help you. He knows what to tell you. And so the Holy Ghost told him, when he gets to a particular time of the day, don't eat again until the next day. And so he obeyed. And guess what? That was how he was able to stop pornography. No, um, what's it called? No ambiguous thing, no, no fasting, just obeying that instruction. So when we say walking after the Spirit, that is what we mean. Relying on the Holy Ghost. Allowing Him to help you and to lead you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Allowing Him to tell you what to do. Sometimes the, these things are just very simple. Just walk after the Spirit. Be mindful of the Spirit. Let the Holy Ghost tell you what to do. For example, that brother that that that, that, um, that man that we spoke about, you know, that was having struggle. The Holy Ghost just told him and said, "You know what? Go to the church and give a testimony." That was all. It's called walking after the Spirit. We struggle because we don't walk after the Spirit. It's the same thing that um, Paul was saying in Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. Let's look at it. Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. Let's open it and we'll come back to this scripture. Then I'll begin to look for a way to round up. Alright? Galatians chapter 5. Are we getting blessed? Are we learning something tonight? It says, Galatians 5 16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit. It simply says, live by the power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, you know, 
this the Holy Ghost told me, I mean the Lord told me and said, the only good thing in you is the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Rely on Him, trust Him, live by Him. He says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's as simple as that. Can you shout at me say, I walk by the Spirit. I walk by the Spirit. I walk by the Spirit. Ski parando fali barande ezeke toma kalia barato stepeleke skaparato. I walk by the Spirit. You see, praise God. This thing I'm sharing tonight is simple, but if you will practice it, you will have testimonies. I get what I'm saying. You will have what? Let's continue our scripture, Romans chapter eight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse ten now. Oh my God, this is powerful. Verse 10 says, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. It quickens you. It gives your body life. I get what I'm saying. He gives you... What is what the, in context, what Paul is, is trying to describe here is that the Holy Ghost energizes your body to do God's will. How many of you have struggled with God's will before? For example, the Lord said, give that person your last, you know, this thing happened to me recently. You know, somebody messaged me and said, ah, he had to do a course and he needed some money. And, and the Lord said, give him all the money in your account. Me, I have needs. So that's if, me, I have, he only goes knew my needs. <laughs> he knew my needs. He did not. I say, I told the person, I say, I don't get money, I won't give you. I disobeyed. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost kept speaking to me. Now listen, I didn't do it because I'm foolish. Because I eventually gave the person all the money in my account, right? I didn't do it because I wanted to. I wanted to. I did it because the Holy Ghost empowered me. That's what it means. It gave my body life. Because it's my it's my hand. It's not the Holy Ghost that, that typed the account number. Yeah? That typed the money. It's my hand that did it. So it gave it quickened my mortal body. He helped me. Look at verse 11. And if, this, if the spirit of Imure Jesus from the dead is living in you, he will raise Christ from the dead. will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Are you seeing what the Holy Ghost can help you to do? So I, 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 didn't, I didn't send the guy the money. At first. I told him I, didn't, I, I, couldn't, I don't have the money with me. And the Holy Ghost said, give. And I said, oh God, how can you see this? He said, give it. And so because I've learned to just allow the Holy Ghost carry me, I didn't know when I just I just went to the guy and said, Okay, you know what? Send me your account number. I'll send you, I'll send you what I have. And I sent him. Now I'm not saying anything because I want to brag. You get what I'm saying? I'm saying this because the Holy Ghost is able to help us to do God's will. Are you getting what I'm saying? He's able to do what? He's able to quicken us. Because we have to please God with our mortal bodies. But it is the Holy Ghost in us that hates us. Are you getting what I'm saying? He helps us, you know. Uh, there's a particular man of God, I won't mention his name, you know. He was a believer, but he was a chain smoker. I mean, I mean, he was smoking a lot. But he kept confessing, the Spirit of God is at work in me. The Spirit, because he's, you know, if you have been into addiction, like um, alcohol, cocaine, drugs, smoking, your body is, your, your body is, is, is attached. It's as if you would die if you don't take those things. Many of us have not been addicted to it, but I have heard testimonies of people. 
And so this man, he will just go to church. He, will, he so know what he did? He will put the cigarette in his, in his boot. He will go to church. After maybe church is over, he goes to the boot, you know, goes to, into his car and smokes and all of that. But he kept confessing. He kept saying it. The spirit, you know, the law of the spirit of life is at work in me. The Holy Ghost is at work in me. He's helping me. He's quickening my mortal body to do the will of God. Are you seeing that now? He got to a point. He just discovered that for, for seven days, he had not taken... He had not smoked. He had not had the desire to smoke for seven days. In, in fact, he forgot about smoking. I get what I'm saying. And he, I think one of those days he was just checking his boot, trying to arrange some things, and he saw this cigarette and he remembered that ah, I've never taken a cigarette for the past seven days. Yeah. So that made him, that boosted his faith that wow, this is possible. I can do that smoking for the rest of my life. If I can do it for seven days, I can do it for seven months. I can do it for seven years. I can do it for 70 years. You get what I'm saying? And that was how he was able to overcome. Not by saying, I won't smoke, I won't smoke. He went to go and break the cigarette. No. He's by allowing the Holy Ghost, walking by the Spirit, living by the power of the Spirit, allowing the Holy Ghost to surcharge your mortal bodies. So at that instance, when you are angry and you feel like giving that person that hot thing, if you are relying on the Holy Ghost, you will discover that what will come out of your mouth is, I'm sorry. Can you get These things are possible. You are about to say something. It was boiling in your heart. You know how that is to do. The thing was in your heart. You wanted to give, slag that person with the sword of your mouth. But in the same way, because you have learned to live by the Spirit, your mind was on the Spirit. I said, Holy Ghost, ah, help me. You discover that as you open your mouth, what will come out is, okay, I'm sorry. I love you. You are blessed. And every you go, you are surprised. You are shocked. Because you see, I told you people, I said, as a believer, I get what I'm saying. As a believer, we are not trying to make heaven. That's not, that's not God's goal. That's not the essence of salvation. Because I, the, you have made, if you have the Spirit of God in you, you have made heaven already. Because the Spirit of God in you is heaven. It's heaven. When you hear scriptures say, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you, if you have um, a KJV, the places is in italics, meaning the heavenly is actually Christ. So if you are in Christ, you are in heaven. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, heaven is inside of you. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the goal is not, I'm trying to make heaven. I'm trying to make heaven. No, that's not it. Your name is in the book of life already. You have made heaven. The goal of salvation is for heaven to make you. And what does it mean for heaven to make you? It means the Holy Ghost helping you, surcharging you with the power of God to live a holy life. This is how you experience victory, relying on the Holy Ghost. Are you seeing this? Verse 13, verse 12, Romans 8, 12. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have no obligation. No, it says, NIV says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put, are you seeing that? If by the Spirit, it's still. So you see, the actual argument of Paul for believers to live above sin is the Holy Ghost. He's saying, Just yield the Holy Ghost. Just be conscious of the Spirit. Just allow the Spirit. Just live by the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So the Spirit can help you. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight, friends? The Spirit can help you to put to death the deeds of the flesh. So they call you 
uh, your mouth is very sharp. People are always afraid of your words. God, if you allow the Holy Ghost, God can so help you. The Holy Ghost can work in you, take over you, so that the only words that will come out of your lips are words of comfort, words of edification. So people that knew you before, when they come around you, they will ask and say, Ah, we used to know you now. Your mouth is, 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 is a sword. It pierces the hearts of people, shatters them. And you get what I'm saying? But now you have allowed the Holy Ghost to work in you. And instead of, instead of vain, wicked words, what are coming out of your mouth are words of edification, words of comfort, words of blessings. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. So right now in tonight's meeting, what we are doing is that we are glorifying, we are magnifying the Holy Ghost. We are magnifying the ministry of the Spirit. Listen, I believe so strongly that if not for the Holy Ghost in my life, I would, I would have made a wreck of my life. I don't know, people can boast in many things. I say, it was said, I had discipline. I discipline. Ah, you don't even know that you see the Holy Ghost at work in you is what makes you discipline. Now you get what I'm saying? Because Paul taught him what he said, you have not received the spirit of fear, but you have received the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. The original rendition is and of self-discipline. So you see that self-discipline is actually a spirit. Now you get what I'm saying? So in the actual edition, it is we have received the spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, and of discipline. So discipline itself is not something you try to do. It is the Holy Ghost that helps you discipline. He helps you. So we glorify. We glorify the workings of the Spirit. We glorify the workings of the Spirit in us. We do not frustrate the grace of God. Are you get what I'm saying? Look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now let me explain this verse in context. This verse is not saying, you know, by you know, those who are led by the Spirit. It's not talking about, um, Holy Ghost, should I buy Akara? Or should I buy Momoy? Holy Ghost, should I go to? No, that's not what they're talking about. It's not, they're not even talking about Holy Ghost in context of Holy Ghost leading you on who to marry or who not to marry. Of course, Holy Ghost does that, alright? That's part of his ministry. But in this context, because I've taught you before that when you're reading Bible, you read Bible in context. So look at what Paul has been talking about. He has been talking about how the Holy Ghost helps us to live a righteous life. So he cannot come here and be telling us about how the Holy Ghost will help us to, to know whether we should eat Akara or Momoy. Which one is all this ones? That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about Holy Ghost leading you on you know on other affairs of your life. He's talking about Holy Ghost leading you to live a righteous life. So actually, living a righteous life is dependent on your ability to yield to the Holy Ghost. To allow the Holy Ghost. And look at what he says. He says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. What he's simply saying is that as a child of God, the Holy Ghost has been committed to lead you. It's not that you have not been paying attention. For many of us, you have not been paying attention. You have not been conscious of the Spirit. You have been trying, my God, you have been trying to overcome by the arm of the flesh. Look at what David said in the Psalms. He said, By the Lord, I have, I, have, I have leaped through a wall. By the Lord, I have passed through a troop. How you get what I'm saying? That's David speaking. That was by the Lord, I was able to overcome the obstacles. So, you overcome by the Spirit of the Lord on the inside of you. Paul says that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Liberty to be on God. Liberty to fellowship with God. Liberty to please God. 
So the possibility of a victorious life over sin is enshrined in recognizing that the Holy Ghost is in you, working in you day and night. Are you getting what I'm saying? Doing what? Working in you day and night. So he says, you are not in the flesh, but you are where? You are in the spirit. So because you are in the spirit, you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what we have looked at tonight is that we have looked at our reality in Christ Jesus as, you know, as men who are dead to sin and alive to God. You are no longer under the bondage of sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. That's your reality. And then we have looked at how it is impossible by the arm of the flesh, by trying to keep the law, by trying to do this and don't do that. It is impossible for us that way to overcome sin. We will always fall. We will always be trapped. So what do we do? Verse 8 shows us what to do. We walk by the Spirit. And in walking by the Spirit, you have to walk by faith. Look at that, my brother that I spoke about, that said, the Holy Ghost just told him, don't. You know, it doesn't make sense. How does food and, you know, then you look at itself, it doesn't make sense. But the Ghost knows that it's because he's eating too much. I mean, sometimes the wisdom of the Holy Ghost is unsearchable. I get what I'm saying. For some of you that, you know, you don't know how to use words well, Holy Ghost cannot tell you for 30 minutes every day, can you just be singing? Don't just sing in tongues for 30 days. Just sing in tongues. And you do, you don't even know what is happening. In fact, it's, it's very possible that as you are singing in tongues for 30 days, you will still be angry and curse people. But as you continue, now I want to say this quickly. Sometimes overcoming a particular sin may not be instantaneous. It may not happen instantaneously. Are you getting what I'm saying? It may not happen instantaneously. And there's no shame about that. But you see, faith in Christ Jesus and in the truth that you are dead to sin and in the workings of the Spirit on the inside of you will eventually bring you over. Are you getting what I'm saying? Will eventually do what? It will bring you over. So, you know, I shared with you uh, that woman who was, was struggling with masturbation and then she would just confess and say, this is not who I am. And she began to confess her reality and her dependence upon the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost began to give her certain instructions and say, okay, you know what? Do this, do that. You see, because the instructions that the Holy Ghost gives you is not instructions as per do this, do that, as per the law. The instruction of the Holy Ghost is basically to help you. In fact, when you are fulfilling the instructions of the Spirit of God, it will still be by faith. Because you'll be wondering, how does me fulfilling this, how does it correlate with... Think it's what I'm saying. There's a particular pastor, I think, a popular pastor, one of his sermons, he was saying that when God was going to deal with lust, how you get what I'm saying? Look, look at this. I think it was Apostle Michael Rockwood that was saying it in one of his messages. I mean, he was dealing with lust. Lust is, you know, lust for women and all of those things. He was dealing with it. And you know what the Holy Ghost said? The Holy Ghost said it should be given. And you look at how does giving people money, just giving people money, how does it correlate with lust? I mean, it doesn't make sense. But if he did it by faith, are you get what I'm saying? And after that, the Holy Ghost said, okay, after he had done that very well, he said, okay, now, be doing this. You know, and before he knew it, he was able to overcome lust. So that is where walking by the Spirit comes in. Because it is the Holy Ghost that helps you walk in the victory that you have received in Christ. 
even though you have received victory in Christ, if you don't yield to the Holy Ghost, if you don't surrender to the Spirit of God to aid you, to help you, you are just using your own wisdom to calculate how you overcome, you will just be frustrated. But as you allow the Holy Ghost to help you, you are able to experience that victory on daily basis. Are we together, friends? I said this is so powerful that I've shared tonight. I, I know that um, for many of us, as you are hearing this, you are wondering, ah, how does this thing how, how does this thing work how, how will I do this faith faith in Christ Jesus submission to the spirit don't imagine that you know your way out of that situation I'm saying this to you tonight because this is a word for the Lord to you for many of us listening to me you know glory to God this is how the spirit of God operates you get what I'm saying. Look at what Psalm says, Psalm 23. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, and blah blah blah. He said, He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Don't assume you know how to walk the path of righteousness by yourself. Don't be proud. He says, He's the one that will lead you. And guess what? The Holy Ghost is the shepherd in us now. He's the shepherd. He's the, he's the Lord at work in us. He's the shepherd in us. And He's the one leading us in the path of righteousness. Glory to God. And so I dare to say that my confidence is not in the flesh. My confidence is in the Spirit of God. Every time I tell myself, there's nothing good in you except the Holy Ghost. And I'm not lying. So when people come to me and hail me and say, Ah, come on, you are a good guy. I just laugh and say, Me, I'm wicked. I'm a bad boy. All these things you are seeing is Holy Ghost. You see, because when we stand before Christ on the last day, we will not have anything to boast about. You say, Lord, you know, I gave, I did this, I worked with you for 45 years, I was holy. You know, people to say that. If our God will ensure, you will have no occasion for boasting. He will ensure, he will ensure. So, for many of us, this is why you are even struggling, because of your pride. God wants to break it. So that you can get to a point and you'll be humble to say, Holy Ghost, help me, help me. And you get what I'm saying. Many of you feel you, many of you, feel you are righteous in, in the sense that you have done many things. You feel what has made you righteous is, is that you have done some good things. And then God will not shock you. You see, in my work with God, I've learned one thing. Alright? I'm still working with God, though, but in my work with God, I've learned one thing. Not to boast about anything that is finding expression in my life. If people say, ha, ah, you're a good person. Ha! Ah, in my heart, I say, hey. I'll run to God and say, God, thank you. Ha! Ah, you're the one working in me. Because I'm not good. And that's why God had to crucify me. Don't you just get it? God, God looked at me and said, This pollution is a bad boy. We can't change him. So let's crucify him. So they crucified me. So Christ came in to become my life. Glory to God. That is, that is your reality. That is your reality. And so God is in the bead of making us. And he's making us by the Spirit on the inside of us. He's aiding us to walk with him. He's aiding us to walk in the path of righteousness. Are you seeing that now? He's helping us to walk in the path of righteousness. By the Spirit within. He's guiding us. Teaching us. And so there will be none of us that will have anything to boast about. When we come before the Lord Jesus Christ, we say thank you for helping us. Taking us, for washing us with your word. Thanking us thank you for helping us to live for you 
You will have nothing to boast about. All glory will belong to Jesus. You will have no glory to share. You have, want to share the glory. God, God will not allow you. You, you. All the glory will be given to him. You washed us with your blood. Not just that, you helped us. You led us in the path of righteousness. If not for you, how would we have known how to live and how not to live? You are the one that teaches us how to live. You are the one teaching us. Not just teaching us, you are helping us. You are helping us. There's no single good thing that I've ever done outside of the power and the energy of the Spirit. And there's no good thing you can ever do outside of the energy and the power of the Spirit. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God that works in you to will, to do and to will of his good pleasure. Are you seeing that now? Many people stop in that first part and say, eh, work out your salvation. You have to work out. That's not really the Bible finished. Don't be like that. So the work out, are you getting what I'm saying? Is you giving expression, allowing. That's just what he's saying. He's simply saying, allow what God is doing in you to find expression. Allow it. You know, they, you know they, 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 there was a service and the pastor was asking, you know, just a very funny question, and say, in all the nine gifts of the Spirit, how many do you have? How many don't you have? One Olodo sister said, eh, I don't have joy. I don't have long suffering. That's an Olodo talking. That's an Olodo. Why? Because you have all the nine gifts. They are at work in you. You have not just learned to yield to the Holy Ghost for them to find expression. So, really, you have joy. You have peace. You have long suffering. You are gentle. You are meek. You are kind. You know, you have all the night gifts. You have love at work in you. You have all the night gifts. Fruit of the Spirit, sorry. You have all the nine fruits of the Spirit at work in you. You have to believe that you have them and that the Holy Ghost is producing them in you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So, I hope we all got what I shared tonight. I, I, I wanted to, I think we still have to juice next week to study the book of Romans so I can talk about the other two. I promise I will be quick with those. Ones. But I wanted to really establish in this present truth that in Christ Jesus we are victors. We have overcome, alright, sin. And we overcome sin, we, ex- we experience our reality as overcomers when we begin to yield to the Spirit. When we begin to allow the Holy Ghost to work in us. It may not be as quick as some other people, alright? Some people may come instantaneously, but for some of us, it, it may, you know, be gradual, depending on how fast and how quick you are to yielding to the Spirit and to following the instructions that He gave. But all I came to tell you tonight is that give thanks to God Give him praise that indeed he has made you free from the dominion of sin. And that right now you can please God because you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. And that the Holy Ghost is working in you day and night. Helping you to live in the fullness of God's righteousness. Hallelujah. Can we just thank the Lord tonight and give him praise? Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We thank and praise you for what you are doing in us. We see that you are the only good thing in us. (laughs) We have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in self-will. Our confidence is that you are at work in us. 
helping us, aiding us to live by your power. Thank you, Father. Thank you. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining tonight's Bible study. Um, I, I, a lot of us may have questions. I will be willing to take your questions. So please, if you are in the chat section, um, I mean, you can drop your um, questions in the chat section. Somebody will get it across to me. If you are on the group, maybe WhatsApp or Telegram group, you can mess, you can just drop it there. If you have my contact, you can send me a DM. Um, I'll respond to your questions. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'll respond to your questions. But I believe that what I've been sharing tonight is so simple to understand. Sometimes the gospel is sounds too good to be true. Many times it sounds too good. To, it's just too good to be true. How can you say this? But it's just the word of God. It's true. And I've shown you scriptures. And I could have shown you many more. Just that time would fail us. Alright? But I believe that you were able to understand the essence of salvation. That you were saved so that you can have victory over sin. And that you can live in the experience of it. Right? And I've showed you what your reality is. And I've shown you how what makes us struggle. And I've shown you how we can experience the victory. Right? How we can experience our victory. As Christ, as we have received it in Christ Jesus. So thank you. God bless you.